0: Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. We are finishing up our series on Garden City and you know the the first thing that we discover about God is that he is a creator that he's a worker but we the next thing we see he's a collaborator he he made something beautiful and then he invited us to be a part he we see him making humanity not as slaves but as as it, actually in his own image. And, and part of being the, in the Im, made in the image of God is we're created to manage and develop this creation. And we're, we're called to take on the role as co-creators. And our first assignment is to actively partner with God in developing the world around us. And by our very nature, we're called to work together towards common goals. And, and we see this. Things, things go so much better when we work together. Like, the vast majority, and I I talked about this a couple weeks ago, the vast majority of what we enjoy is because of collaboration. You know, that morning coffee that, um, you know, that I just just really enjoy. That, that morning coffee, that, that did not come because one person decided there could be coffee today. That came because there's entire uh, industries dedicated to getting that morning cup of beautiful foretaste of heaven into your hand. And so many things, whether it's driving a vehicle, whether it's eating a meal, hopefully at a restaurant again soon, or uh, you know, or even reading a book, or watching today's service. The, all these things happen because we colla- because we collaborate, because we work together, and uh, we enjoy even something as simple as many, many of you today will get out and enjoy the sunshine. You're going to go take that loop around uh, Telford Lake. It's a great loop, it, or around Fred Johns Park. If you if you live here in town, or maybe you're in the city, you're going to go into the River Valley or, or wherever you're at. Well, all of that happened because people collaborated to make something beautiful to enjoy, and, and that's what it, the picture of the church is supposed to be as well, is that we're Coming and working together to make something beautiful, to make something that that, that encourages growth and encourages uh, flourishing in our lives. And what we discover in this discovered in this series is that everything matters to God. Uh, beauty does matter. God could have made the earth plain, but He chose not to. You know, he, did, he, he could have made it black and white. But he chose not to. He chose to make it beautiful, and then he commissioned us to to carry on that task of making the world beautiful, of making lives beautiful, of, may, of of working together to to improve and to cultivate and to grow. And and you know, that one of the things that I think has stood out to me in um, the most in this series is this 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 thought that there's actually no word for spiritual in the Hebrew language because everything is spiritual. There's no division between, you know, we have our spiritual life and then we have just what we do. God doesn't see it that way. And it's the, everything we do is connected. Everything we do matters. And, and uh, one, of the, one of the first things we see in creation is we see this, that God creates a culture. He creates an environment where humanity could thrive, where humanity could grow. He created the whole earth. He created, you know, the mountains and the and the and the valleys and he and and the and the different land masses. And he, he created, but then he created a very specific place. And it was a place, it was called the Garden of Eden. And it was a place very specifically designed for mankind to thrive. And to grow, and the commission was actually to take that garden from that one location and and take it and and fill the earth with that uh, that culture. And before before sin ever entered the picture, we were invited to sink our hands into the soil of the earth and form and, and carry out something beautiful and good. And so the the first task that we actually receive is this task of cultivating and tending, Uh, this task of taking care of the earth, the the task of of growing something beautiful. And in our lives, we're to to function like these, these small pictures of our creator God. God started it, but then he commissioned us to continue it. And, and just like a picture, it, a picture doesn't display the full experience. If we put up a picture of the mountains and maybe the, a, the, the, that nice background picture we see of, of Lake Louise, it's, you know, it's a beautiful picture, but if you've ever actually been there, you know the picture is only a small glimpse into the reality of just how beautiful these areas and how, how potent these areas are. And that's how we're to be, is uh, as a small picture, as a glimpse of our creator God. And it's through, through our good and intentional work we make the invisible God visible to the world around us. And so uh, a few weeks ago, Monica asked some questions inner message. And it, it was it, some good questions. It says, where has God placed you? What is the area in which God has placed you? What What's your plot in God's garden? And how are you working that plot? And this is the, the, where God has placed you is where he wants you to be the picture of him to the world around you. You know, today's message is called going viral, and I want to call it going viral in, in a good way, uh, is that it's tending our plot in such a way that it can't help but grow and influence others for good. And you know, the, sometimes the best way, actually the best way that we reflect God well is when we, we do what, when, we, when we do where we've been placed well. You know, a doctor or a nurse reflects the healing nature of God simply by being a doctor or a nurse that brings health to others. An artist reflects the creativity of God simply by painting or by writing a song or creating. A counselor reflects the restorative nature of God by being a good counselor. By helping people abandon thinking that's harmful and destructive and embracing ways of thinking and living that lead to to wholeness and strength. A business owner shows the provisional nature of God by managing and employing people that provides not just for the business owner's needs, but actually provides for many people and families and communities the needs of people. We, we, we reflect God well by simply doing what God has, has the, the station that God has put us into well. And so we are called to cultivate and uh, I, I'm a gardener, so I, I understand the, the value of cultivation. And the cultivation is basically this. It's to, to nurture, to promote, to encourage, and support in order to develop the hidden potential uh, or the, the dormant potential in our lives and in the lives of those around us. And cultivating is basically this. It's we're, we're, create, we're seeking to create a culture in which good things flourish, and this is, this is so important in this. We see a lot of things flourishing right now in society that I don't know that we want to see these things continue to flourish. We we want to see good things flourish. And God's greatly concerned with culture. It, the first thing he did was create a healthy culture for us to live in or for 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 Adam and Eve to live in. And that, that commission to c- continue creating good culture, that doesn't stop. And if you've ever been in an unhealthy culture, you know just how dangerous unhealthy culture can be not not just um, not just to the lives of people, but to internally into society. And the uh, the a healthy culture is a place where good things flourish, where people people become better than they were because they were in certain cultures. And uh, you know the we want to we want to create culture where good things flourish. Now, in the, in the research world, a culture is, is something where it's an environment that you create specifically to foster a certain kind of growth. And, you know, in the, in everything we do is cultivating a certain kind of growth. The culture of our lives, it, it's either conducive to healthy things growing... Or it's fostering negative things to grow in our lives, and so it's. I think it's so important we understand what is going to what's going to bring healthy things and help healthy things grow in our lives. We have to be intentional about the culture that we create. And uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I like I said, I I, I enjoy gardening, and so a couple of weeks ago, I've had this in my mind, this project that. My, my garden is a problem, and I, I like my garden to do well, but you know, I've had years where like nothing can grow in it, and, and the reason is, is because it, the soil was just too hard and too dense, and so by, by time July hit, my, like I could park my truck on my, on my on my garden because all the soil had gotten so hard and so compacted. It, it just became like concrete. And, and anything that was planted in it just struggled to survive. And, you know, there's, there's times in our lives where we realize, like, the soil of our lives is not healthy. Or the soil of our lives, is like, there's things in my life that are just not conducive to good things growing the way I want them to grow. And so a couple of weeks ago, I pulled my, I pulled my dump trailer up and I got my shovel out and I got my wheelbarrow out and I started excavating the garden. And, you know, it was a lot of work. I had to, I, I dug out, I, I actually dug the whole, the whole dump trailer, I filled it up with dirt from my garden. And it took the better part of a day and, and I had to, I just removed it because I knew this soil is just too hard. It's too dense. It just doesn't have what it needs. I need to get rid of it. And so often in our lives, we come to that place where we realize there's just stuff in my life. I just got to get rid of this. This isn't... I don't I don't need to counsel it. I don't need to... I just... These are just areas that just need to change. And that, you know, the first step is to remove it, but I. you don't just stop with removing it. It's so much more important. I actually had to go fill the dump trailer with a, a bunch of new peat moss and compost. And like just getting the work, just getting the, the soil excavated, that was only half the battle. Because then I had, to bring in, I had to bring in soil that was healthy. I had to bring in soil that wouldn't become hard and compact and like concrete by July. I needed to bring something in that would, would bring growth and you know just taking the taking what's negative away it's not enough we need to bring in that which is good we need to bring we need to bring a better culture in we need to recognize the areas in our lives that aren't working but we also need to seek to replace those with things that do work and so you know and and it's so easy to just it's so easy in our in our current you call the this the the, the moment of time we're living in right now the culture culture around us there's a lot of negativity there's a lot of canceling there's a lot of you know you got it wrong we will destroy you <clears throat> but it's missing the mark drastically because that's not it's not bringing in that which is healthy and life-giving the challenge of us and especially the challenge to the church and, and to, to our lives in this day is to is to not just get rid of all that doesn't work. It's to create that. It's to bring in that which does work. It's to bring in, it's to bring that culture and cultivate an environment where lives can be healthy and they can be growing and they can be life-giving. And this has always been the challenge. This has always been the challenge of the church to every generation and our generation is no different. Salvation is always the process of creation being regained of of creation being restored and the whole the goal, the whole goal of god's mission was centered on the centered on the work of jesus was to restore creation back to that which it was meant to be but not to take it back to where it was with, but with this was to take it somewhere better, where it was where God intended to help restore people to the state that God originally intended, but then take us somewhere so much greater. And uh, you know, Peter talked about this uh, of how to do this. How do we do this as a church? How do we do this as as believers? Or maybe maybe how do we do this uh, in a in a day and age where? There seems to be a lack of, of good examples to follow at times in how to create a culture that's healthy and flourishing and thriving. And Peter talked about this in his, in his uh, letter to the churches. In uh, 2 Peter verse 1, he said this. He said, His divine power has given us everything we need to experience life and to reflect God's true nature through the knowledge of the one Who called us by his glory and virtue. His divine power has given us everything we need to experience life. Oh, I just read the same thing twice. I have it twice in here. Maybe it's just that important that we need to hear it twice. His divine power has given us everything we need to experience life. And reflect God's true nature through the knowledge of the one who called us. By his glory and virtue. And then he goes on in verse 5 he goes on to describe how you do this to achieve this you will need to add virtue to your faith and then to your knowledge and then knowledge to your to your vir- virtue sorry guys my mouth isn't working properly today and then knowledge to your virtue to knowledge add discipline to discipline add endurance to endurance add godliness and to godliness add affection for others as sisters and brothers and to affection at last add love for if you possess these traits and these traits and multiply them then you will never be ineffective or unproductive in your relationship with our Lord Jesus i think he should have started with that last verse there if you possess these traits and multiply them then you will never be ineffective or unproductive in your relationship and the you know there's 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 a part of us that you know, we're always looking to, for things. How can I be effective? How can I be productive? Well, this, is, this is, outlines it. And he, he's very very clearly, he says, it starts with faith. It starts with faith. You know, faith is the foundation in which God works in our life. God responds to faith. God responds to that, that trust in him. But the Bible doesn't describe faith as the finishing point. It describes faith as a foundation point. And when we begin to build other aspects of God's nature into our lives upon that. And, and Peter tells us, if you have these other traits, you'll never be ineffective. You'll never be unproductive. And by doing these things, by adding these things that he listed, we actually, we actually begin to reflect God effectively to the world around us. We start to give others that picture of what God is like. Not the complete picture, but glimpses into what he's like. And so th- this is what he tells us. He says, to your faith, add virtue. To your faith, add virtue. What is virtue? We have a lot of virtue signaling going on in the world around us. <laughs> but virtue is, virtue is this. Virtue is doing the right things. Virtue is doing the right things. It's, it's having high moral standards. And, you know, in our day and age, there's almost this resistance to the idea of of having high moral standards. But there's a a place for, for in us to have virtue, to say, I want to do the right things. True virtue is not on display. True virtue is internal. It's an internal work. We're seeking to have our heart and our actions lining up with with the with the will of God, we're, and more than that, we're 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 wanting our hearts to line up with with the law of Christ, which is the law of love. We're you know this week we're starting a new online devotional, and it's called True Virtue. I want to encourage you, if you to join us in that on our on our online location, you can join with us in that in that devotional. But it's so important that we allow God's word. To influence our lives. That's where we, where do we discover true virtue? Well, we we discover it in in the in the person of Jesus. We discover it in His Word. And then He says, "To virtue, add knowledge. Add knowledge. See, virtue is is doing the right thing, and knowledge is how we learn what the right thing is. Knowledge is how we learn." how to do the right things the right way. There's a lot of times in my, I would say in my zealous youth that I wanted to do the right thing, and so I just poured myself 100% into doing something only to discover I did it completely wrong. And it's, the intentions were Good. The problem was as I was lacking knowledge. I was lacking experience. I lacked the insight. That it's funny how doing things wrong will give you understanding and insight later in your life. And it's the it's we need knowledge because we don't understand everything. We don't always know the, the most effective way to do things. And without knowledge, without understanding, we just keep repeating the same patterns. We just keep our responses remain the same. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is, what is the knowledge that I'm adding to my life right now? Where, where am I getting my knowledge from? And I know where a lot of us get our knowledge from, we get it from scrolling through certain articles on our phones. But we need a better source of knowledge than just pop culture. We need a better source of knowledge than the emotional temperature of our day. We need to have eternal knowledge getting added to our lives. And then the next thing he he says to add, and I know you're going to love this, you're going to just get excited about this and write it down and underline it, is he says, add discipline. Add discipline. And, you know, discipline is, it's the patterns. It's the habits and the routines that you carry out on a regular, regular basis. Discipline is, you know, Discipline is weeding the garden. Discipline is getting out and watering the garden. Discipline is getting out and planting seeds in the garden at the right time of year. Because if you plant your tomatoes in August, you don't get tomatoes to enjoy. You know, discipline is not something that you get quickly, but it's something you add continuously as you go through your, through your life. And, you know, the goal of discipline is never to say Is never just so that you can say, Oh, I'm a disciplined person. The goal of discipline is that it brings fruit to areas of our lives when we live in it. The goal of discipline is to cultivate good things in our lives, it's to create structure so good things can grow. In our lives, and we've talked about that in, in our series on uh, our series when we went through the series on the, the spiritual practices and the common rule, and and uh, you know discipline is like the trellis that the plant grows on, and as we as we continually add discipline to our lives, it continually makes us more and more effective. And then he goes on to say, and then to this this you need to add endurance. And why do we need endurance? Well, it's very simple. We need endurance because life isn't easy. A great culture is is not easy. It's much easier to give in to that temptation to criticize and tear down than it is to be intentional and encourage and build. Encouraging and building is work. Criticizing, I, it just comes natural to me. I can spot everything that's wrong with something. It's, it's like it, it, just, it just happens. But, to, but instead of giving in to that and saying, I want to build something that's, that's fruitful, I want to build something that's encouraging to those around me, that takes, I have to work at that. That takes endurance. You know, a great culture is created through a lot of hard work, and it's destroyed through one act of laziness. You know, that's the, we need endurance because we know the reward is worth more than the comfort of quitting. And, uh, you know, in, our, in, our, in the CrossFit world or the, the, when we do workouts in CrossFit, every once in a while there's these workouts that come out and they're, they're called hero wads. And people sometimes ask, what does wad mean? It means workout of the day. Um, there's these, these workouts called hero wads. And Hero Wads, when you there's this kind of this, um, what would you say, perverted love of Hero Wads it might be the best way to describe it. There's this, because you, you know when you're going to do them, they're not going to be easy, but they're going to be, they're going to be great. And, they're, you know, they're, they're workouts that... By time you get halfway through, you're questioning all of your life decisions. You're just, you're wondering if this was, like, maybe the stupidest thing I've ever tried to do. And, you know, the idea behind these these is they're not supposed to be easy. But there's, but there's something that happens as you, as, there's something that happens to you internally as you do something that you did not think you could do. That you look at and you say, there's nobody on the planet who can do that. Why would you even put that on a board and tell people to do it this way? But there's something that happens in you as you endure. You discover that there's resources that have been put deeper in you than you thought were there. And the only way to uncover those is to actually endure. When we want life to be easy, we actually are setting ourselves up for life to be hard. But when we approach life with a with a mindset of endurance, then what we discover is there's God has put deep reserves in your life. And He's 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 put all that He He's put all that you need inside of you to be effective and to be fruitful. And then He talks, he says, to this endurance, then add God godliness or, or God likeness add in god likeness is doing things the way god would do them it's having a different response to the situations of life or to that conflict at work or to that conflict in your family or to that to that situation that's challenging it's a, it's having a new response and and really what it, well, to me it's instead of defending my own eagle eagle yes i defend my eagles No, I'm not doing that great. (laughs) My mouth has a mind of its own. And uh, instead of defending our own egos, followed the example of Christ. And he, you know, what did he model? He modeled to us peace and kindness and compassion and goodness and gentleness and self-control. These are all God-like traits. And... If we're if we're trying to be godlike, there's a, there's a part of us, Jesus just said, you know, there's just a part of you that has to die. And there's this ego part of us to be godlike, that ego part of us has to die. But it's as we as we embrace the Christ likeness, it it allows us to, that, to, to to carry out those godlike responses. And then he says to this, add affection for others. And, you know, affection is, is showing care. It's expressing care. It's reflecting God's heart towards others. And then finally he says to this, and then add love. Add love. And, you know, why, why would he, I've always thought, I always kind of think, well, why wouldn't you start with love? And I think, you know, the, I think in, in the end, because in the end, love is what makes up for where, Others and ourselves fail. And love is kind of like, when, when, when all this other stuff is done, love is what we, in the end, love will make up for what's left short. And First Peter, in the, he said it, this was in the letter he had written previously, he said this, he said, Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. And I love this statement, for love covers a multitude of sins. Why is it so important that when it's all said and done, we, we add love? Because love is the thing that makes up for everything else that's lacking in ourselves and in, the, and, and, and in the world around us. And, you know, so much of what we're seeing in the world around us is, is not love. It's attacking, it's tearing, it's destroying and, but we've been called to something different. We've been called to, to build. We've been called to help others flourish. Love builds up. Love believes the best. 1 Corinthians 13 talks about all these traits. It believes the best. It's not quickest to jump to the worst conclusion. It looks for the best. Love is not blind, but it, it does choose not to focus on certain things. And, it, and, and Peter says it so well here. Love covers a multitude of sins. You know, one of the things about your garden is every once in a while, an animal will come along and poop in your garden. And, you know, love is the thing that helps us turn the poop into fertilizer. It's the thing that what God's always, God's always moving, or God's always seeking to move us towards a life of love. It's what, it's it's loving and serving others that that brings out the best. As I wrap up here, I want to tell a story. And it's a story of, uh, it's a story of an African evangelist. And uh, he was, uh, Time Magazine, his name is Nicholas Bengu. And Time Magazine called Nicholas Bengu the the Billy Graham of Africa. And as an African man himself, he had reached more Africans with the gospel than any other man in history. And he was interviewed, and in this interview, he was asked the question, what is it like to be the Billy Graham of Africa? And he responded by saying this. He said, let me tell you a different story. And then he goes on and he tells a story of a missionary couple who... Who really felt called to Africa in the early 1900s? The only problem was they weren't very good at it. They they preached, and no one came to listen. And years went by, and the missionary board that they reported to started to get frustrated with them because uh, because they didn't receive reports of a single conversion. They built a church, and the church stood empty because no one came. And after years in Africa, the only person that they had was one little kid who would help them carry their gear around. Other than that, not one convert. And finally, after spending most of their adult life preaching and getting no response whatsoever, their denominational headquarters got embarrassed and said, we have to call these people back. They're no good at what they do. This was a huge mistake, and we need to fix it. And so this missionary couple was called back, humiliated and embarrassed. And this was back in the days when you had to travel by boat. And the only person that came to see them off on that boat was this little kid who helped them with their gear. And so they got on the boat, defeated, embarrassed and humiliated. And after a few years back in America, they passed away convinced they had wasted their lives and they were failures. And then Nicholas Bengu looked at the interviewer and he said, I was that little kid. And what this couple didn't realize is that God did not send them to reach thousands of people in Africa. He sent them over to reach a little boy. And since that time I've reached more Africans than any other man in history. And I just want to talk to you. You know, in today's day and age, we tend to think if our plot is not huge, if our influence is not huge, then it doesn't matter. Or we don't have a significant impact to make. Sometimes our impact is for one person. Sometimes our impact is just for that small group of people that God, God has placed us around. Never underestimate the potential of your plot. Even if it seems small, give it your best. Because you have no idea who's going to be a part of your plot that will, and the effect that that will have on the lives of others. I want to... Wherever you're at, I want to just invite you to just take a moment. If we can close our eyes. I want to pray. Because I think oftentimes we remain blinded to the potential of what's right in front of us because we get this condition in our lives where we start to see what others have and think what they have is so much more significant than what I have, or they're so much more effective but every part matters. Every part matters. And Father, I just pray for each of us now as wherever we're at, whether we're sitting in our homes right now or sitting in our RVs by the lake or just watching online during the week. Father, I pray you would open our eyes to the potential of what you've put around us but also to the value of those you've put around us. That we would see the way you see those that are around us. And Father, I pray that as we, go into, as we go into our weeks, as we go into our areas of influence, or as we go into the interactions that we have with others this week, that we would realize there's no encounters that don't matter. And Father, you would help us to reflect you, reflect you well into each of those encounters. Help us reflect your character. Help us give people a glimpse of what you are like because of their interactions with us. And Father, where there's areas in our lives where we just need to remove some of the soil and bring new stuff in, Father, we pray that you would help us to carry out that work that you would help us, you would help us be willing to, to do the work to see the, the culture of our lives changed, to help others thrive, to help others flourish. Father, we pray that you would just work your will into our lives, your will into our hearts. I'm going to pray another prayer and Maybe you've never said yes to Jesus. Maybe this whole concept of, of Jesus having a purpose for your life is new to you. And you're say, you, you might be watching right now thinking, you know what, I want to say yes to Jesus. I want to I discover his purpose and his plan for my, lives, for my life. And I want to encourage you. You can just join me as I pray or just pray along with me. Father, I invite you into my life. I pray that you would come into my heart and lead me in your ways. I want to follow you. Would you forgive me of my sin? Thank you that you have forgiven me. And give me a new start. Help me understand your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.